Hi there, I'm Dan, and welcome, or welcome back, maybe, to the Shaw Vineyard Church Podcast. Hey, at the end of this episode, please take just a moment to subscribe in iTunes or in your podcast app of choice. That way, you can get every message from our church straight away on whatever device best suits you. You know, it's our hope that the message that you're about to hear in this episode would encourage you to take your best next step in your faith journey. So let's get straight into it. Okay, so we're, um, we're in the middle of a series, the Blessed Series, um, and the, the whole, the word Beatitudes is really just another name for blessed. We could call them the Blesseds, or that little passage about being blessed. Um, and tonight we're focusing on, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they will be satisfied. Um, before we get into that little verse though, how about, we'll just step back and think about the bigger picture. Uh, we're right at the beginning of Jesus' Galilean ministry here. He's, uh, John the Baptist has been arrested, um, and Jesus comes north to Galilee, to uh, the region where he grew up. This is uh, actually, um, a photo of the Sea of Galilee, which I took a few years ago to give you a bit of an idea of what it might look like. Um, and so he's come back to the region. He's gone to his hometown first, Nazareth, and then he's just settled down in Capernaum for a while um, near the Sea of Galilee. Uh, and then he starts to call disciples to follow him. Uh, like a Jewish rabbi of the day, he starts uh, looking out for who's God's got his hand on. And he calls them to follow. And first of all, there's James and John and Peter and Andrew. And then he sets off on a tour around Galilee. And I've got a little map here of Galilee to give you an idea what it looks like. So, so you can see uh, like the western shore of the Sea of Galilee there. Near the top you've got Capernaum. Uh, that's where he settled for a while. And then he goes all around that region. So all that area to the left and a little bit uh, to the right. He starts travelling around that area, and we now know from archaeological uh, digs that there were about 200 towns and villages in Galilee in the first century. And we, all, we know that because going down we find early Roman period strata and artefacts, and we also know from those artefacts that they were Jewish up there in Galilee. Uh, just another little plug for the Gospels, we can trust them. Um, so Jesus goes traveling around these towns and villages. This must have taken a while, but this is just the start of his ministry. And he teaches in their synagogues. And yes, they did have synagogues. 20 years ago, you might have read an academic journal and somebody said they never had synagogues in Galilee in the first century. Well, that's not true. We've actually since, and just in the last couple of decades, found two. It's only two, but at least we, they can't say Gospels are wrong. There weren't any. We know now there were at least two, probably many more. Uh, so he travels around, he preaches in those synagogues, and, and his message, his key message is repent, which is just another way of saying turn back to God. Change your way of life. Change what you're doing now. Turn back to him because the kingdom of God is near. And that's kind of an odd phrase for us in the 21st century, 
Um, we don't use that kind of language, but in those days, that would have been really exciting news. And we'll get to that just in a moment. But there's even um, a bigger picture going on here. If we think about the whole Bible, um, right back in the Old Testament times, Moses, many years earlier, climbed Mount Sinai. Um, he had all the Israelites with him, and he went up the mountain, met with God with, and with some of the elders, and he came back down with laws, with a law to live by. He led the people of Israel into a covenant with God. A covenant is like an ancient treaty, a little bit different from treaties today, but, you know, because they cut up animals and other stuff. But basically it's a binding agreement, and God commits himself to be with his people, to bless his people, to look, uh, lead and guide these people and be in relationship with them, and they agree to live God's way in God's place. But they broke that covenant. They only had it for a few weeks, and they broke it. Well, even before Moses got down from the mountain, they'd broken it. Um, so what's God going to do? How, how are we going to fix this situation? God continues to lead and guide the Israelites. And the thing is, he remains faithful all through that period of the Old, of the Old Testament, even when God's own people are doing the wrong thing. But what was that covenant really about? What was that law really about? It was made, you, you remember the Ten Commandments? This, it's summed up in the Ten Commandments. It's really just about how to live right before God and how to live in right relationship with one another. It's basically just about doing what's right by one another. That was really what it was all about. And there were two specific commandments that they began to realize this is really sums it all up. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Now in other peoples around the world, you could all you had to do was worship the gods, offer sacrifices, um, and as long as you did that, you were fine with the gods. But with Israel, with the ancient Israelites, God was like, no, if you treat one another badly, if you mistreat your brother and sister, then you are actually breaking the whole law. It's not just enough to do the right thing before God. You also need to love one another and love them as much as you care about yourself. Um, so that was really, that's, that's the backdrop. And then now we come to Jesus, who's just turned up in Galilee, and now he's preaching the imminent arrival of the kingdom of God. And he starts to talk about, well, what do we do now with the law? Because basically they failed to keep it. So, um, and, and basically he shows, he gets to the heart of law, what it was really about. He shows them what it's like. And then he says, but, you know, Moses said this, but here's what I'm saying to you. Now, at the front end of all of that, we have these eight Beatitudes, eight blessings. And it's like Jesus is saying to his disciples, before we get into what it means to live as part of the kingdom life, before we start talking about what to do, I want you to understand who you are and where you're with with God. And he starts off with these eight blessings. Now, before Jesus said anything about ble who's blessed, I am guessing that probably most of those disciples would have thought, blessed are the righteous. They always do the right thing. 
Um, and you might not know, but the scribes and the Pharisees in Jesus' day were actually highly respected. We, we understand that they were hypocrites, but we only hear that from Jesus. Um, many people in the day thought they were the best, so they might have thought, blessed are the scribes and Pharisees, because they dedicate their lives to understanding the Torah, the law. They might have thought, blessed is the man who has a good-looking wife, or blessed is the person who has healthy and obedient children. Those are the ones who are truly blessed. Um, Blessed uh, are those who are wealthy. They must have done something right. Um, That would have probably been their expectation. I hope this is not too blowy. Maybe I've got it too close. Um, But that's the kind of thing that they probably thought. But the problem is, when you're living in a society that's broken and where there is corruption, sometimes the people that might look like they're blessed aren't really the ones who are blessed. For all we know, they could have stolen some of what they have or manipulated or controlled other people to get what they've got. And it might not have actually just been what God has blessed them with. So Jesus actually says, well, actually, this, these are the people who are really blessed. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Theirs is the, king, is the kingdom of heaven. And they might have thought, crikey, well, uh, that's us. That's good news. Now, I'll make sure I've got this right. Oh, yep, we're all green. Um, they might have thought, well, we're not very wealthy. And you might think, well, hang on a minute, James and John, their father had a boat. We, just a few decades ago, they actually found a boat lying in the silt in the Sea of Galilee. This water level had dropped, and they saw the bow, a bit of the bow of this boat sticking out. This remains, this is only part of the whole, a lot of the rest of it has disintegrated. But we know that this boat, this is a, the remnants of a little fishing boat, um, is 2,000 years old. And we know that by the kinds of pottery and coins that we found in and around the boat. And we've also had that supported by carbon dating as well. This boat would have been around during the time of Jesus. We don't know if this is James and John's boat. Uh, What we do know is this boat could carry up to about 15 people. But the interesting thing about this boat is it's made up of so many different timbers. It's a patchwork of wood bits and pieces put together, you know, a bit of a leak there, um, patch it up with whatever timber was available. So we know that these people are just trying to put together, to keep things going over years and years and years um, with whatever they had available. This is not wealthy people. This is not the flashiest thing. Um, they're, they're just trying to survive. And so even people like James and John wouldn't have been among the wealthy. Um, but Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit. There's th- is the kingdom of heaven. Um, and blessed are the meek. They will inherit the earth. The meek don't own, probably don't own much at all. Um, but they will inherit the earth. And blessed are those who mourns. Um, they will be comforted. And blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they will be satisfied. And I could imagine the disciples sitting there going, oh my God, this is us. We are like this. We've seen loss. We've seen sickness. We've seen 
death. We've seen poverty. They might have even literally had periods of time when they hungered and thirst. And, but Jesus is saying, guys, you are not cursed. You are blessed. And that would have just been remarkable for them. Uh, the English word blessed comes from the Greek makarios. So what does that mean? It has been translated happy. And there is an element of the happy in there. Uh, but the word happy doesn't really include that divine dimension. There's something about blessed where God is actually um, going to bring something about on your behalf. Um, so it's not just you're happy because things have gone right well. Um, Tom Wright translates this as wonderful news. And there is an element of congratulations in that Greek word makarios. Um, so that's not, we just don't really have an English word that really sums it up. But blessed, another way of saying blessed is saying that God the Father looks on you with favour. He thinks you're cool. He loves you. Uh, you might even say when God thinks about Ian, he smiles. He has a smile on his face. Or, or DG, or, or whoever. Um, God, you, you are blessed. God Things you're awesome. Um, th but there's also another element of where there's like divine uh, release of something, of, of power, that some God has good for you. God intends good for you, and God is going to make good happen for you. Uh, fruitfulness, prosperous. And don't hear like prosperity gospel when I say that, because the truth is you might have to wait for Jesus to return for that to happen. Uh, but the thing is, it's yours. You know, God's got that for you. So that's a sense of what blessed's about. Um, and that's why Jesus' series of blesseds has promises in them. The meek will inherit the earth. Probably not until Jesus comes back, but it will happen. Uh, the, those who mourn will be comforted. And this can actually happen in the year here and now through the Spirit. Uh, and just through the support of the church community. Um, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be satisfied. So, um, so that's a little bit about blessed. What about um, righteousness? What on earth does that word mean, righteous? We don't really even like that word much these days. We don't go around saying, well, he's a righteous person except perhaps in mockery. Uh, we talk about people being self-righteous. Uh, I, I think the only thing I could think of that might be even vaguely positive about righteous was the Righteous Brothers who were a band in the 60s. Some of you might remember it. But generally, the word righteous has negative connotations today. Um, and we tend to think people who are righteous, it's just about them and God. They're trying to do, you know, pray a lot or just go to church a lot or get down on their knees or perhaps, you know, do a thousand rosaries. But, um, but the truth is really righteousness is about living right before God and in right relationship with one, no one another. That's really what it's about. Um, and you can't divorce that second one from the first with, with God. Um, the, the Greek word there is uh, dikaiosune, righteousness. 
Um, and that's a translation of the Hebrew sedekah. And that, that word actually has a huge range of meaning. But essentially, it's about God putting things right. right. God, when we're talking about God's righteousness, about God coming to put things right. Um, acquitting the innocent. Um, restoring things. When you think of all those things like forgiveness, reconciliation, restoration, things being made new, salvation, Jesus coming for us, this all happens because God is righteous and wants to put things right, make things right. Um, So a person who hungers and thirsts for righteousness is a person who longs for things to be put right. Uh, They long for things to be put right in themselves, in their relationship with one another, in their relationship with God, and in the world. So um, that word righteousness can also be translated justice. Um, So hungering and thirsting for righteousness, what might that have looked like in Jesus' day? Um, The disciples would have been among those who hungered and thirsted for righteousness, um, in fact, most of the Jewish people in the first century longed for righteousness. They longed to see the exiled tribes come home and a restoration of the kingdom. They longed to see the foreign invaders, namely the Romans, leave. Uh, they longed to see Israel be faithful again to God. Um, they longed for reconciliation and forgiveness. They long to see the land prosper again. Uh, They long to see people live in peace. They long to see the sick made well and for sickness and frailty um, to go. They longed for the resurrection of the dead. All these things they longed for because the prophets had spoken about all these things being sorted out and that God bringing about healing and restoration and resurrection. And they longed for that. Um, And they longed for the Messiah to come who would bring all of this about. That was what the Jewish people were waiting for in Jesus' day. But some of them thought the only way to make it work was to actually revolt against the Romans. But Jesus actually warned them, no, don't go that way because you'll be destroyed if you go that way. And basically the country did go that way and they were, well, they were destroyed in the, around 70 AD. But... um, but that's what they long for. Um, they long to see God's kingdom come on earth as in heaven. Um, and this hunger, this longing, this is not like, oh, I'm just a little bit, bit peckish, I need a snack. Um, this is a deep, um, insistent longing like you haven't eaten for a few days. Or a deep thirst that won't go away and it just needs to be quenched. Um, But Jesus says, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they will be satisfied. And that word satisfied is like cup running over. This is not like, oh, you'll get your portion of wine. No, this is like wine and it's just flowing and it's flowing. Well, it's like, crikey, Jesus, I can't drink it because there's more still flowing in. Um, And this is like hunger being satisfied like Christmas dinner. And you just can't even get up and do anything because you're so stuffed. It's just like so much food and food left over. It's absolute abundance. This is what God has promised for those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. So when Jesus came into Galilee and announced the coming of the kingdom of God, they would have been like excited. 
that it would have been like Jesus was saying, history is about to be made. Uh, What you've longed for for 500 years since the Babylonian exile is about to happen. Uh, So um, the Beatitudes. Interestingly, we know that the Beatitudes are connected with the kingdom of God. Um, Oh, hunger and thirst, I skipped that, sorry. Satisfied, there you go. Beatitudes and the kingdom of God. Um, when When the New Testament was originally written, there were no headings. And there were no like paragraph chapters, and bra- that was all added later. So, how did the writers convey sections? They did it by sometimes like bookending a section, like having keyword at the beginning, a keyword at the end, or a phrase at the beginning and the end. And then you knew that actually that word or phrase kind of governs everything in between. With the beatitude, you've got blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now at the very end, blessed are those who uh, uh, suffer a persecution, um, the kingdom is theirs or something like that. You've got kingdom at both ends. And by the way, in Matthew, Matthew talks about kingdom of heaven. Uh, It's just another way of saying kingdom of God because there were um, sometimes, well, the Jewish people in in those days didn't like to use God's name. So, uh, so they would use other words in place of God's name. But it just means kingdom of God. <coughs> so these Beatitudes are all about the kingdom. So those who hunger and thirst will be satisfied because the kingdom is coming. And when that happens, things will be put right. Um, now, I've just noticed the time. I had a whole big spiel about the kingdom of God. But I'm guessing you've probably actually already heard lots of sermons about the kingdom of God. Because you're in the vineyard, and the vineyard's uh, actually really got that one sorted. Um, Okay, so just assume that I've just talked about the already side of the kingdom and the not yet part of the kingdom, and the fact that Jesus has brought the kingdom in in part, but there is still a fulfillment of the kingdom that's still going to come in the future. So someone has already been raised from the dead, Jesus Christ, but the rest of the dead will will have to wait till the future. But in the meantime, we've now got the Holy Spirit who brings the life and the power of the kingdom from the future into the present. So even though we may have to wait for some things way in the future, there's also some stuff that's available for us right here in the right now. Um, Now Jesus uh, called his followers, one of the things in the Sermon on the Mount, he called them not to worry, not the whole passage there, you might think, oh, is he telling people, you know, not to work? Or just, you know, be laid back. God's going to provide you with everything you need. No, he's just saying don't worry about it. So he's not saying don't, don't work for your clothes and your food and things like that. Just don't freak out about it. Don't stress about it. Don't worry about it. Instead, seek first the kingdom of God and all of that stuff will be added. Um, so Jesus encouraged his uh, disciples to seek first the kingdom of God and God's righteousness, and then everything they need, God will provide for them. Jesus invites us now to orient our lives um, as if we are living in the future, to live now as new covenant people, uh, live now as, as the way kingdom life is and the way it will be in the future, but live it now um, empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's the only way to do it because some of the stuff in that Sermon on the Mount Jesus asked us to do is practically impossible. It takes a miracle 
to be able to do it. Love your enemies. Seriously, you need a miracle from God to do that. But the thing is, God has provided us with that miracle. God has given us the Holy Spirit. If we are willing, God will enable us to be able to do that, to live now the way we will be living in eternity. Um, So Jesus says, if we seek first his kingdom and righteousness, our Father in heaven will provide everything we need. Now, some people in history have really taken this on board. Here's a good example. Oh, I was going to talk about how Jesus embodied the Beatitudes, and he does. Uh, (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm just very conscious of the time. Um, I obviously wrote a lot more than... Anyway, Uh, (laughs) Jesus... uh, Jesus brought mercy to those people who needed it. He brought comfort to those who were mourning. Uh, He embodied the kingdom of God. He brought the kingdom of God. He healed the sick. He even raised the dead. Um, But coming back to history, seek first the kingdom of God. Some people have done this seriously, like Martin Luther King Jr., for example, who worked... um, for justice for his people. And in his I Dream speech, which you'll probably be familiar with, one of the things he uh, did was quote from the book of Amos in the Old Testament, let justice roll on like a river and righteousness like a never-failing stream. Um, This was the prayer of Amos. This was the exhortation of Amos to the people. And this is Martin Luther King saying to the people in the United States at that time, we need, we need this. We need to be like this. We need to treat one another rightly. We need justice in our society. So what does this mean for us? Uh, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Ooh, hang on. Is that, that might be it. Um, do you know, as I was preparing for this um, over the last few days, I had the strongest sense that God wanted to say to all of you, blessed are you who long to see things put right. Uh, Blessed are you who are seeking first the kingdom of God and God's righteousness. Blessed are you for making an effort to be here when you could be probably doing something else. Uh, That you are seeking God, you are so you are blessed. Blessed are you who know there's something wrong in your life and you long for this to be put right. Blessed are you who know that there's something wrong in your relationships. It might just be with one person and you long for that to be put right. Blessed are you who sees what's wrong in the world And you long for that to be put right. And blessed are you who are actively seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You will be satisfied. That's Jesus' promise. Um, How how about we just take a moment to pray, eh? Jesus, um, we thank you that you are here right now with us by your spirit. We welcome you here. Uh, You embodied these 
Beatitudes. Jesus, we pray now that uh, for those among us who are mourning, that you will comfort them. For those here who are meek, that you will that you will give them the earth. Lord, for those here that sense in their lives that there are things that are not right but are longing for things to be put right in themselves or in their relationships, if it's relationships with another person or a relationship with you, Lord, make that right. Show them what... Lord, come in power. Come and be with them. Um, inspire them. Give them the desire and the enablement to put that right. Lord, for those who see things that are wrong with the world and long for things to be put right, Lord, we pray your kingdom come. Lord, we can't do everything. But the whole body of Christ around the world, if we all sought first your kingdom of God, stuff would happen. And Lord, there are people already around the world seeking first your kingdom and working for righteousness, working for justice, even now. Lord, I pray that uh, you would give those who are hungering and thirsting for, to see things right in the world, that you would give them a vision of what you may be calling them to, the, the thing that they can do to put something right. Lord, just, make, uh, just, just empower them and make that clear to them. Lord, may your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as in heaven. Lord, may your righteousness and justice come. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you put right so much in this world when you came. And we look forward to your return when you will make all things new. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. And if you're in the Forest Hill or the Bays area of Auckland's North Shore, we would so love to have you at our next service this Sunday. You can get details on service times and more info on our kids and student environments by visiting svc.org.nz. That's svc.org.nz. Hope you have a great day and we'll see you next time here on the podcast.